Welcome everyone, I'm Justin and I'm here with my dad Leonard and we have a good episode today. Uh, a couple of really good questions we'll get to here in just a little bit, but we really, you know, try hard to avoid uh, questions that are inflammatory uh, that could, you know, would seek to divide or anything like that. And um, I think most of the time, I know for me, I think it's true for you too, it's not really because we don't have an opinion, but uh, I think we just don't like drama. So, you know, maybe that's coming from our background too. Uh, you know, my dad and I are both raised out in the country. Um, and so we just, we, we tend to, you know, one of my favorite uh, uh, movies growing up was Jeremiah Johnson. You know, is it stay out and just stay out of the issues of the day. But the, the oddity is, is when you get called to stand up for the Lord in any way, and, and you know, of course, both of us being pastors, is you sort of have to put aside who you are and, uh, and answer some questions. Sometimes I, I don't think we really want to. So uh, the first question that we have today to look at uh, that was sent in is, what does the Bible say about the riots? And of course, that's referring to the, uh, I believe the question is referring to the riots that have been happening in the U.S. here as of late uh, with the police shooting uh, with Floyd. Uh, and so uh, the Bible has quite a bit to say about riots. I know when you go into the New Testament, uh, you look in Acts, uh, Ephesians, several different, well, is at Ephesus, but the story is recorded in Acts. There, there were riots that occurred. And all of those riots occurred around the Apostle Paul and uh, they were instigated by the Jews. And they, they, it says over and over in the scriptures there that the Jews sought or would seek to stir up the crowd against them. It wasn't ever for anything. It was always against. I, I noted yeah. that. Uh, and, you know, we were just discussing some of this a while <clears throat> ago, just trying to, you know, see where all in the Bible these things were located. And every time, to me... Uh, it was a hate-filled agenda that was uh, to do uh, ill will. It, it wasn't ever for good. And, of course, the most, uh, I guess, infamous riot that we know of is at Jesus' trial where they went into the crowd to stir the crowd up against Jesus uh, to, to pick him to be crucified and to free uh, Barabbas. To, and so, you know, that's an infamous one. Of course, that resulted in Jesus being crucified, and it was all over a riot. So I guess um, looking at the Bible, in my opinion, is what happened to uh, Floyd down here, and I don't know if he's guilty or not or whatever they charged him uh, with. Um, it's a long ways from my house where that happened. But that doesn't matter. That There wasn't a cause for what the, the officers did. And that's just my opinion. But the rioting that we're doing, and I think it's good that people are mad about it, that everybody should be stirred up and, and upset that that happened. But there's a right way and a wrong way to handle it. And, and even to have some demonstrations and to say, uh, I stand up for, for rights uh, for, for all Americans, really, uh, is, is good. And we need to stand up for our rights. 
but when you're rioting, and I guess what I define that as is when you start tearing up somebody else's property uh, because you're in a fit of rage, and then you're out, it's a whole group of you, I, I see that as wrong. And uh, that's my opinion, uh, mostly, but I would also say in answering the question, I seem to see that as a, as a strain of truth throughout Scripture that the Bible would say just because uh, they did something wrong uh, over there, the police officers, it doesn't mean it gives us the right to go and do wrong against our neighbors. That's and right. That's my opinion. What do you think? Well, I find it interesting that the same things that we find in our world today you could find back during the days of the Apostle Paul, that first hundred years of the church. You could find all the same issues. You could find all the same agendas, everything going on within that uh, context of where Paul traveled. And yet I never see him once trying, as he went around, trying to stir up any group of people to a mob or a riot situation in protest to these different things. Instead, as he wrote in the New Testament, uh, he encouraged people that wherever you are, uh, when you come to Jesus, don't seek to get out from under that, but be the brightest light that you can in the context of where you are. And uh, Rome, uh, they had hundreds of thousands of slaves. And Paul never once said slavery was, was okay. But what he did say was if you are a slave, be the best one that you can be. Be, be a good servant. And in reference to that, there is something that is very unpopular today, but I had it driven home to me when I was in Bible college some 40 years ago, that we, just like the Apostle Paul, we are all bond servants to Jesus Christ. In other words, when we have accepted him as our Lord, and just that word, Lord, connotates something, that he is Lord, he is God, he is King, and we are to be his servants. We are to serve him. That means to obey him. And I never will forget, uh, there was a little protest that arose at the Bible college when I was there. I can't even remember what the issue was, but T. Thornton, the director at the time, he got everybody together and he did a quite extensive teaching. And he said, first of all, he said, the way you're going about this is wrong. He said, if you really have an issue with things, bring it to our attention through the correct channels. And secondly, he said, every one of you call yourselves Christians. And when you become a Christian, you don't have any rights except what has been given to you by your government. 
And in America, our government has given us quite a few uh, amendments to our Constitution, uh, different rights that we have. Uh, the right to freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, those kind of things. There are rights, uh, the right to pursue happiness and peace and those kind of things uh, here in America. You don't have that everywhere in the world. And Paul, um, he never tried to stir up anything and uh, go to the mob mentality and Mm -hmm. when i see a mob i I think of well this is what happened in in uh, sodom and gomorrah and the angels came down to check out the cities to see if the sin that was reported going on there was really happening and when they got there uh, they had to use some supernatural means to protect themselves against the mob and uh, there in Acts uh, where um, Paul was arrested uh, simply trying to tell people about Jesus and the Jews stirred up a mob against him and the Roman authorities had to go in and rescue him uh, get him out of it Uh, like you said uh, a mob is never seen as a good thing in the scripture no, and any time I know in my life, if you see the mob all running one way, my inclination is to go the other direction. Go the other way. Uh, because it always, it, it never ends well. And uh, there, and again, there's always times to, to stand up for what you think is right. Uh, but it's the way that we do it. And Paul would stand up against these mobs, I know, in the Scripture. And, and I know there in uh, Ephesus, that particular story was pretty impressive because they were screaming and yelling and the Roman commanders, they didn't even want him to go back out. He had to beg them, you know, because he was a missionary. So if you have that many people in one place, he wanted to tell them something. And so he addressed them and quieted them down. And of course, they had to finally pull Paul out of there because they, they got riled up yet again. But... Uh, you know, I, I guess for me, I, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one and continue to be silent. I, I I get on social media and I see what everybody's doing and everybody's getting roasted out there. Whether you say you're to the right, to the left or in the middle, it doesn't really matter right now. Yeah. And so the Christian response, it looks like, I think we both agree, is uh, the Bible says the rioting, the rioting and tearing up everybody's stuff is no good. And it's not what Jesus preached. It's not what the apostles preached. And so I guess that's it's not what we're going to preach either. Well, when you read about what the fruit of the Spirit is, uh, about it being uh, love and peace and long-suffering and, and all of those things, um, what we see in our world today is basically opposite of having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And it's sad that so many that call on Jesus as their Savior are getting caught up in all of this. We need to pursue a more peaceful way. I agree. Totally agree. Well, that brings us to our next question. And uh, it's totally changing gears. Uh, We were sent in this question 
When does a child get to the age of accountability? And uh, that's that's an interesting question. I did a teaching uh, not too long ago when I was coming through Leviticus. And uh, I was in Leviticus 12, which is a real short chapter, just eight verses there. But it all deals with uh, a woman's ritual in the Old Testament law after childbirth. And uh, in order to be ceremonially considered clean again, it lays out what they have to do. Now, what that means is that biblically what God was trying to tell them is that when that baby is born, the baby's born into sin ceremoniously. So the baby is a, is a sinner um, and would require a ceremonial cleaning in order to be considered clean so spiritually you have to go through something to be clean so we know that's a prototype for us today we're we're born into sin you have to come to jesus christ in order to be uh you know a new creation so uh the question that arised uh, when i was doing that study was well if a baby dies then does it go to heaven so that fits into this question of one is the age of accountability and uh, and I think everybody thinks different because we don't like the idea that a baby uh, isn't saved just just from the emotional standpoint. You know, you you, you want to feel that way. But the good news is I, I believe that, that a baby does go to heaven. I, I do believe in an age of accountability. The scriptural grounds that I have that I'll, I'd like to share is 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, verse 23. Now, this is a story here, and this is just one verse in it, where uh, David and Bathsheba had sinned. She got uh, pregnant and uh, had this baby, and then the Lord judged David by taking this baby. And uh, so David, while this baby was uh, kind of in flux in other words it was still alive but he knew god was going to take the baby he goes to the temple and starts praying and uh well the baby was taken so then david got up and it says in verse 23 there chapter 12 second samuel but now he's dead and talking about this uh well back up to verse 22 it said while the child was alive i fasted i wept uh, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me and the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And then he says this interesting phrase. He says, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Well, if David believed he was sealed and, and you know belonged to the Lord, then he is saying right there that he believed that that child, uh, very young, when it was taken, uh, died, that it went to heaven. And uh, so that, that's one thing I hold on to. Romans 7, 9 is the other scripture. And uh, this is uh, the Apostle Paul talking. And he's talking, looking back in his life at his, uh, uh, at his younger years, uh, pro- probably very young. Uh, Romans 7, 9. It says there, I was once, or I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And that verse, a lot of people have a hard time explaining that verse. I was alive once without the law. So he's, he's looking back in his life saying, I, when I was very young, I was alive, spiritually speaking. In other words, 
sealed that I was going to heaven without the law, he says, because he didn't know the law. What nobody does when you're two years old, you don't know the law of God. You don't know about Jesus or anything. But then he says, when the commandment came, in other words, into his life, the, the, the old law for him, it came into his life. Then he realized he was a sinner. He says, sin revived. So that's funny he uses the word sin revived. In other words, he's still giving credence to the fact that it uh, coming from uh, Eve, that now you will bear children and they're, you're, it's, they're born in, they're, you're born into sin. But then he says, so you're born into sin, but then there's this age of accountability or age of innocence that you enter into. And then he's saying, uh, sin revived and I died. So he hit some age, once he hit an age of understanding, the way I see this, that then all of a sudden the sin, it, it took him, it killed him spiritually. So the million dollar question is, when is the age of accountability? The, all that proves is there is one. Um, I don't see in scripture personally where it tells me where the age of accountability is. Just, I think different cultures, it could be different. I think if you were raised in the church in a Christian family, your age of accountability might be six or seven years old where you have been presented the gospel, you understand it, your parents have been telling you about it. And then if you willfully decide, you know, I'm just going to put that off. Well, you just now hit a dangerous age where you're now you're aware you know but you've put the decision off but for other kids you know in other countries or even in this country in a non-christian environment you, you grow up out of church that age could be 12 or 13 uh, before you're really accountable I, i'm good anywhere in those years i believe there's an age of accountability but again it's sort of like people that talk about standing next to the grand canyon i wouldn't take that that theology too far, I would, I would just accept Jesus as soon as you know about him. But I, I have known kids that, that knew at a young age and, and willfully, unfortunately, willfully decided I'm putting this off. So uh, that's my take. As you were talking, I was reminded of something in the life of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, And when he, meaning Jesus, was 12 years old, they, meaning Jesus and his folks, went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And um, that whole story plays out that Jesus uh, lingered behind in Jerusalem and ended up there uh, in the temple teaching, and everybody was astonished because... He knew so much at such a young age. And the interesting thing about this, I I may not have it all completely right, but the way I remember it is that um, historically the Jews believed that a young man should go uh, and be a part of what his dad is doing at the temple annually, and that age was about 12 years old. And that's the time they looked at it as becoming uh, accountable. And then, uh, historically, a lot of the church down through the years have picked this as the age 
when most young men, and it's inferred women too, would uh, reach the age of accountability. And so um, that's the closest thing to actually saying anything about it that, that I can recall. Uh, I know uh, what you said I, I think is absolutely true. There are some, whenever they're 12 years old, uh, you would be around them and you'd think they're they're just a little you know maniac a little idiot you know mm-hmm. uh, they they still don't know right from wrong and yet at half that age some kids are very mannerly and respectful and they uh, they know right from wrong they're yes sir and no sir and and um, and at a very young age, some of them, they know who Jesus is and can make a decision to receive him as Lord and Savior. Yeah. It's interesting, too. Uh, you know, Jesus said in uh, the Gospels, you know, talking to his disciples, remember, he was, he's, they were arguing about who's the greatest. And then he took the child and set it in the middle of them. And he said, you have to become like this child in order to come. Mm. And that brings a little bit different twist to this. And I guess I don't want anybody listening to us to think, you know, you've got to understand all of it in order to come to the Lord because the Bible is real clear. He said, you have to become like this child in order, uh, you know, really to come to me the way he wants us to. So how would a child come? With a lot of innocence. Basically, they're just going to understand that Jesus is the way to heaven and they believe in the death, burial, or resurrection. They understand that, which I remember, you know, growing up, I was very young, and, and the resurrection's really hard. It's, it's a hard concept for kids because, you know, we're, especially kids, death is not really something you think about a whole lot. You're, you're just born. But um, I remember you would take a glove, I don't know if you remember that. You used to, I do. A, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, you'd take a glove, and you'd, you know, I'd be sitting on your lap, and you'd put a glove on and say, well, you know, you're alive uh, here, and then when you die, it, and you'd pull your hand out of the glove and say, that's your body, and, and this is your uh, you. The real you is the hand, you know, your spirit is what it was the idea. Yeah, and, and you leave, remember, that, leave that shell, that glove behind, and the real you... Yeah, it goes to heaven. You go to heaven, but in like manner for me, uh, you know, like, well, what is the resurrection? Well, that's when the hand goes back in the glove, and so you were very good. I thought, I was, you know, it stuck with me for. I mean, I'm 40 years old, so it's just stuck with me for quite a while here, 35 years, I guess, or better. Uh, but you know, for kids, that's all they have to understand. That's all they have to know is is Jesus came. And he died for me, and he resurrected. And if he resurrected, this is that's the whole promise and hope of what he's doing for us. All the Greek and the Hebrew and the rest of the Bible can come later. So if you're a parent out there, I don't want you to think like, oh man, you know, Junior's fixing to have to get a Bible education in order to come to the Lord. Jesus was kind of special uh, for what he knew at the temple, but... He was real clear. Just, just come as a child. And, well, uh, it's all by faith anyway. And sometimes a lot of head knowledge 
can come between a person and God because they try to rationalize and and figure every detail out. They have to have proof, scientific proof, and all of that. Where a child, uh, he can exercise, he or she can exercise their faith so easy. Yes, yeah, Yeah, it's so so easy. And in fact, the older that I get, you know, I've been pastoring for years. You know, you you probably say the same thing. You got way more time in it than me. But the more I've learned some things in the Bible, instead of answering the question, I prefer to throw my hands up and just say, as a child, I just accept it and go on with my day. That's right. And uh, so I'm actually in that stage now of reverting uh, to to smaller explanations and things like that. So. We're just about out of time for today, but I think we had a really good conversation today. And I'm glad uh, that all of you out there in internet land joined us. You can uh, always listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or on iTunes podcast. If you enjoyed the show today, please rate us on iTunes because it helps more people to find our show. And we will see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.